A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the show that's brought to you with Levi Solicitors. 10% discount on your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Usual trio with you. Dan, Michael, with his head like a, is it a butt plug? A butt plug. Or an Easter egg. Easter egg. Yes. Or an Easter egg. Depending on which uh, do end not, of the watershed we are. Do not mix the two up either. No. <laughs> go on a... Happy Easter, children. Yeah, so oh. let's go in the garden and on a, a <laughs> Easter hunt. Uh, and Moscow's here as well, of course, for... The weekly show, TSB Plus, you can get propaganda extra where we've had uh, we've confronted our deepest, darkest fears this week. What if we'd gone down? Doesn't sound like a selling point. <laughs> and it was all through the prism of some Burnley fans who are suffering terrible existential dread as a result of going down. Realising they still own Burnley Peacock Farrell. <laughs> yes, that's the big <laughs> thing. essentially the root of it. It's the, the big factor of um, their relegation that I did not consider until I uh, heard him saying that, you know, oh, uh, Nick Pope will go, but we'll get Bailey from... Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, TSB Plus, you get bonus podcasts every week. Uh, you get the match ball live stream after games, priority access to all that, extra ball, merch discounts, loads and loads of stuff. Daily email from Moscow, which is excellent, by the way. Keeps you in touch with uh, all the important Leeds United stuff, which is that we are a Premier League club. Better than Twitter. Yes. Uh, that is at the squareball.net forward slash plus if you fancy supporting us. We do appreciate it. So thank you. Part one of the show. There will be no preview this week in part two because the season is over. We're we not previewing the Aston Villa game in Australia or whatever it is. What is that our next should week? We, yes. Maybe should we do that closer to the time? Okay. Yeah. That's fair enough. Uh, yeah. Let's do that. Um, we said that relegation watch was going in the bin. We can now officially consign it to the bin. Should uh, we run it from the start of next season? No. Let's <laughs> never, ever go there again. Game one. We're in the bottom three. Mid-table <laughs> safety watch. Yes. I'll um, do, won't it? Well, relegation watch is officially over. It's history. We finished 17th, as we well know. One of the interesting things from looking at the final table, look at how close Southampton are to our finish in the end. In 15th position, two points uh, further forward than us. So they're basically lost too few games and drawn them instead so two draws is the difference one of which was against us mm. so they've been comfortable all season but look at them they're really close well they can go down next year can't they that'd be nice I'm, I'm looking for people to make it to sort of make an early claim for the relegation places next year and hopefully they'll stick with Hassan Hussle and he can continue this form obviously got a fact of Brentford in plus the promoted teams yes um, Southampton really hit the beach really early their last they've won one in the last, pause while I count, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. <laughs> I think it's 13 games. Really? Yeah, including that includes the FA Cup quarterfinal. But before that, they'd won five out of seven and then only lost one in like, 
How many is that? Moscow like does numbers. 15. Like you said, Moscow, nine wins keeps you up. Yeah, nine wins yeah. keeps you up. It did. It kept us up. It's kept Southampton up. Everton ended up with 11 wins, but 21 defeats, which is quite high. And look at Brighton. Yeah, absolutely. 12 fine. wins. Greedy. They have to go. Ordinary stuff. They're going to have to go down next year, aren't they? Well, the, the, the like I always say, if they sign a striker, they'll be fine. They bought some in January, but they then loaned them out to their like Belgian cousin club. So that doesn't, I don't know whether they're going to be good players or not. Bad players. Just sign Harry Kane. You know you want it. Funny to see Man United finishing up in the Europa League where they don't want to be. Conference League would have been funnier. Hmm. Because um, they're not, they're not happy, are they? I mean, look at the finish with a, a neutral goal difference: fifty-seven in, fifty-seven out. It's their worst Premier League season ever. And Obviously, before the Premier League, they were relegated lots of times. Well, they finished on fifty-eight points. Our fifty-nine last season would have seen us finish sixth in that spot this year, which is mental, isn't it? Oh, I'd have loved the bloody even the Conference League. I'd have loved. Mm. Never mind. Next year, uh, next year. Our scum kind of responsible for how difficult our season got because that means that the and this is me thinking in numbers again so this could all be wrong but if we would have finished sixth with the points we got last year that suggests that the teams at the top of the table or at least in that bit won fewer points this season that's why the teams at the bottom had more points which made it so much more difficult for us to stay up Watford beat them 4-1 didn't they mm. it was it was a much tighter division is what I think is the point you're trying to angle at yeah no that- I'm I'm not angling that. I'm saying it's Scum's fault for being shit. <laughs> they lost to Everton. If they hadn't lost they to did. Everton, we would have been much more comfortable. What did they do against Burnley? I bet they fucking lost to them. <laughs> spiteful. Very spiteful. Yeah, they're, so their um, terrible season, hilarious as it was, almost had quite poor repercussions for us. I mean, they only beat Norwich 3-2. There's some interesting stuff in the um, in the stats when you start to pick it apart. I went on a... Um, they drew with Burnley, 1-1. Went onto a stats website last night and just pulled some figures from it because uh, we conceded over two goals per game 79 goals conceded which is a lot entertaining good yeah. um, from 38 games which is the 19th rank so only Norwich conceded more than us but our expected goals against so the expected go- uh, goals I know it's it's a flawed stat but it, it's basically it ranks how many times out of 100 would that shot have gone in typically and they give it a score according to their algorithm it's supposed to be a measure of the quality of chances that you create and that you're on the receiving end of according to expected goals against we should have conceded 71 rather than 79 still would have been the second worst in the division though so we were about on par with where our performance and the chances that we conceded suggested basically leaky defence but we should have conceded slightly fewer going forward now this is where it gets a bit more interesting because we scored just over one goal per game we got 42 in 38 games which ranks us 16th in the Premier League we should have got according to the XG 51 goals just over 51 which would have ranked us 9th Overall, so the conclusion from that is that we had an underachieving attack. It's almost like we needed a centre-forward this season, isn't it? Mm, right. no, no attack for a lot of it. It was a winger and sometimes Rodrigo, <laughs> which is the same the same difference really, isn't it, in terms of output. I mean, Dan James got some goals. Jackie Harrison got some goals. But yeah, it, the very, very obvious gap in the middle. And I mean, last season wasn't just um, goals with Bamford, was it? It was assists. So taking him out of um, this year which he basically was I think he only started seven games in the end screwed us big style and if our attack had met its expected goals target the expected points that kind of flows from that is 43.86 based on the chances that we created so if our defence and attack had performed as expected we would have finished 12th 
Are you taking 43.86 points for next season now, or are you rolling the dice? Um, I would say we go 50. <laughs> okay, you're not going to accept less than 50. I think four, I'd accept 48.86. Okay. No, I think as if we can get to sort of March and we've got 40 points on the board, if we sat fully Southampton it, then I'll, mm. I'll exhale. Cause it's felt like we've kind of been sussing the division out for a couple of years. Yeah, just seeing what works, what, what doesn't <laughs> We're going to try being shit this year, yeah. see what happens. But we, we've now found out that 40 points does keep you safe. So once you get to that point, you are pretty much going to stay up, aren't you? I mean, at one point this year, I think when Burnley kept winning games, I was convinced of myself that we'd need like 50 points to stay up because they that week, didn't they, where they won? Did they win three games in a week or something at some stage? It was just, mm. it was entirely unfair that they suddenly looked dead good. And you after know, sacking Deitch as well. You know, we said it was uh, like you were trying to work out where you lay on the sort of danger scale because they obviously beat Everton, didn't they? Which was funny at the time. And Everton eventually stayed mm. up and Burnley eventually went down. So that game proved to be meaningless in the end. But um, 12th finish, if you scroll down on the, the thing and look at um, Jesse's form, so it's only a relatively small data set, but out of the last 12 games, the form in the table is 12th. So we're about, you know, sort of middling. We've got 15 points out of 12 games. I mean, you can look at the top end, Liverpool 32 of the last 12. Watford got four of the last 12. And the Roy Hodgson factor. Bro, I bet Hodgson is disappointed to have got that many, given the the way he looked. So if you, I mean, if you extrapolate out over the course of a season, yeah, we do. We finish twelfth according to um, to Jesse's form. There, would you accept a twelfth place finish next season? Yes. And <laughs> there doesn't need to be anything else. Just yes. And getting what he got because it was one point two five points per game, wasn't it? He got, which is a, a step up on Bielsa, which was not point eight eight. So desired effect was had. Um, let's see what that works out to. So forty seven and a half points according to um, that. That season. That'd be fine for me. And I'd like the bottom three to be a bit more detached as they were the year last year when did Fulham did you need twenty nine points or something to stay yeah. up the year before? They, they were basically cut adrift from right from the get go, weren't That they? was comfortable. I yeah. want that again, please. Yeah. So if Huddersfield could come up and just like stink the place out, perfect. Which would you prefer out of the two, Forest or Huddersfield? Because there's there's a good heritage fixture there in Forest, isn't there? Like it feels like you know, we've spoken before, like about how you you think the Premier League should be made up of teams uh, mm. that were in there when you were 13 years old, including Oldham, Swindon, that kind of thing. Uh, but Forrest carries that with it, doesn't it? Well, while we're still getting comfortable here, I'd rather have Huddersfield because I don't think they'll spend any money. Yeah. <laughs> and, and whereas Forrest have got potential to, you know, be half decent in this league. Isn't their owner still quite mad? Probably, yeah. Yeah, so there's, there's that that they could... Just, um, Are you thinking of the Greek, it? the Greek shipping guy? Yeah, I, th- no, I think they've been taken over by Americans now. Is that why they're good now? Yeah, okay. got their act together. Ah, okay, I mean they've got. They, can the Premier League handle the glamour of Steve Cooper? Mm. That's the thing. We'll soon find out, won't we? Isn't it nice as well being able to watch that playoff final, which is going to happen after our is it's just as our walks finishing actually, isn't mm. it? This this coming week, um, that kicks off at four thirty on Sunday. And it doesn't really matter what happens there because it would have been awful facing the jeopardy of, as much as we wouldn't like to admit it, of Huddersfield replacing yeah. us in the Premier League. I'll be able to talk myself into either outcome being the better. Yeah, yeah it's fine either way, really, isn't it? Huddersfield will be annoying the way they were the last time where they were like, mm. they, they had that first season of being, oh, oh, aren't they quite good? How, how surprising, how, how quaint, how sweet, which is kind of the role that Brentford have played this year. But they won't get that second time round though if they come up, will they? Because they've been up recently. Yeah, I guess so. But they still have that, that kind of plucky... Did they ever take down the uh, Premier League town signs? I don't know. Just leave we'll, them up. Well, we'll find out as we walk through it this week, mm-hmm. won't we? Yeah, keep your eyes open. Soon enough. But um, yeah, I don't really mind which one of them comes up, to be perfectly honest. It, nah. It's it, funny either way, I think. Yeah, it's fine. So we did stay up. Were they justified in sacking Bielsa in the end? 
the ends justifies the means, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't, for I, me, I don't, I, for me, you can't argue against it, can you? Now in the end, because we stayed up as, as much as it hurts. Moscow like. will. <laughs> yeah, it's it's impossible to know either way, isn't it? But I think he, I think Bielsa was probably taking us down, which is unfortunate. But as we've said, like on the match ball, this is the end of that era now, mm. and it's neatly packaged off. And we can say that legacy is not damaged. The legacy of the players is not damaged. I guess in many ways it starts now, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's still a horribly fine margin in us staying up with pivotal games that, you know, that have turned like the Wolves match and Joffy's late winner against Norwich and stuff. There's potential for it to still go very badly wrong. And but, I must admit... But it didn't, though, did it? it? But it didn't. So, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, you're imagining a future there that didn't happen. <laughs> it, it played out the way it played out. At least the board have acknowledged it has been a painful season. Yeah. That's something. I think that it had to happen. Not taking full responsibility for it, but they've, they've kind of danced around the edges of some things have not been great and maybe we were partly involved in this. Are they, but are they not... I mean, I'm playing devil's advocate here because I don't necessarily agree, but are they not justified in taking that approach because ultimately the decision that they took, the gamble that they made by sacking Bielsa and putting Marsh in, it boiled down to a red versus black at the casino table, didn't it? And they were proven right. I mean, so, arguably the gamble was in not buying midfielders and strikers yeah. when we clearly needed them. But that, to me, is where... I've pulled the phrase like systematic failure because it was the system that broke down. You know, like, so because they're going to say, and we've seen it already, like Eddie Gray went on TalkSport, didn't he, and said Bielsa wouldn't take players. The, they wanted to buy players, but he wouldn't have them. And there's probably some truth in that. Uh, but then that is the line that the club are very much pushing out. Yeah. So. No, yeah, no, absolutely. I'm saying some truth in it, whether that's entirely true or not. Is, I'm sure it's a slightly more grey area in that he probably did want players, as he said specifically in his press conferences, but the ones that we were after, I think as Moscow, you said over on Propaganda, would have been too expensive. Well, they were either too expensive or they were for Jesse Marsh, which, you know, Brendan Aronson is a Red Bull Salzburg player. Minamino at Liverpool is a former Jesse Marsh, Red Bull Salzburg player. And if you take um, Angus Kinnear's programme notes from uh, from Marsh's first game, Allen Road, he never said, he did describe it as sacking Bielsa. He said it was the acceleration of the coaching transition and that knowing the requirements to evolve from Marcelo at the end of the season meant the process to identify and secure a successor was ongoing and well advanced. So from Angus Kinnear's point of view, what he's been telling us is that at the end of this season, we were always getting rid of Marcelo Bielsa, whether he wanted to go or not. There was a requirement to evolve from Marcelo at the end of the season. What they did at the end of February was speed that up, go with Jesse Marsh now instead of in summer and then you look back and think well they make sense then that we were trying to sign Brendan Aronson because he'll be good for next season and then we're interested in Minamino because he'll be good for next season and I do wonder what other players they were offering to Marcelo Bielsa that were actually for next season who would have if we get them in now there might be some use but there was really I remember we were talking about Brendan Aronson here and we were quite confused like he sounds like a very good player we think what position does he actually play in a Bielsa lineup because he's like he's a narrow 10 who plays to the side he's not a winger he's not a Calvin Phillips replacement he's not a click replacement Rodrigo um, replacement well he's not even that he's, he doesn't play as, as a on his own behind a striker he, he he's always played as a 2 he's a 21 year old for the future and I think in that is probably the germ of where this season went so badly wrong is that they were too busy worrying about what they're going to do next season particularly when it came to January, they didn't do anything to solve any of the problems in January. It's very easy to say Bielsa didn't want any 
players signing. We offered him all these players. One, were the players players that he could actually use or were they players that you're thinking will be useful next season and we can get them in early? But that's kind of a, a secondary thing. And the other thing is, if what fucking good is it to let your head coach block all these transfers who are going to save the season, then sack him in at the end of February when it's too late to buy any of them, and then just go pissing and moaning to the press about him. Well, that does show, doesn't it? Because Phil Hay, in his article where he's done the debrief of the, of the season, the season end article, has said that there was a loss of faith around the window. So that it sounds to me like they probably knew they were going to replace him in the summer. January came around and they were trying to get players in. As you say there, Moscow didn't quite happen. So they thought, right, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll stick with what we've got. Hope it's enough. And then justified it by saying it was enough. Then the results started to go off a cliff and they thought, shit, what have we done? And you can see that, you know, you compare the, the notes that Kinnear put out whilst Bielsa was here off the back of the window and then sacking him, that, that that's what happened there. The loss of faith was in that specific window where they, they thought, it, we, it, we should hopefully have enough. And then the results went mm. off a cliff and then they thought, we've, we've got to act. And it was probably partly a mess of their own making. Yeah, I don't know whether it's a loss of faith in January or kind of they assumed, as we probably did, that Bielsa could just, he'd be fine with whatever. And if you remember the start of last season, all the gossip uh, was from the club side, this will be Bielsa's last year. There was a lot of people saying that. And I was very confused by it because I was thinking, we just finished ninth in the Premier League. This is like, this is the best. Why would you decide now that this is Bielsa's last year? But there was so much talk of that. It's like, here, here we going. And I don't think Bielsa at any point has looked like a, a coach who wanted to leave Leeds at any time. You know, he left in, in tears and he was talking about you know, I'll stay here forever. He'll keep signing those one-year contracts and keep doing his thing. And I think the, the the key to know from this season is at what point the board decided it was a requirement to evolve from Marcelo at the end of the season. And when I look back to last summer's transfer business, and I think chasing the midfielder, Conor Gallagher was only ever available on a one-year loan and there was absolutely no prospect of buying him at the end of that loan. So he's a player for one season. And then Lewis O'Brien, who they would only bid up to a certain amount for. I wonder if, how the tally would go between the amount they were willing to pay for O'Brien and maybe the loan fee they would have had to pay for Gallagher. Is Again, he's a player that they think, well, Marcelo's going at the end of the season anyway, so we really only need O'Brien for one year. So we're only going to pay so much. Because if you wouldn't think last summer, after the first season in the Premier League was so good, I don't think anybody would, would think at that point, well, this is probably give Marcelo Bielsa one, one more year and then get rid of him because it had been so good in the Premier League. You're then going back to the summer after promotion when there was a lot more discussion about is Marcelo going to be given the reins in the Premier League or are they going to make the change now? And that's when we were introduced to the idea of a two-year plan that we're going to keep, we'll survive for two seasons, we'll, we'll do all our business in summer 2020, build a squad that's good enough for two seasons and then after that we start to build for Europe. Joining the dots going backwards, it seems to me that straight after promotion, they decided, right, Marcelo Bielsa can keep us up for two years and then we get rid of him, whatever happens. And then that's forward planning and that's fine. Forward planning is a, is perfectly reasonable to have a long-term strategy, but it does then create this danger of you taking your eye off what is actually happening now. in front of you yeah. now. So if you get to January and all your thoughts are, well, you know, we gave Bielsa, Bielsa all these players last year, Look what he did with the Heckingbottom squad. He doesn't really he needs he doesn't need anything. We're offering him a load of players for next season because those are the players we want. We don't want to spend money buying players or getting them in on loan for a, a manager who isn't going to be here um, in six months because there is a requirement that we have to evolve from him. 
and then you don't buy a striker and you don't buy a Calvin Phillips replacement and then you don't buy a midfielder, even though the glaringly obvious thing that never happened was responding to the Brentford game when Bamford, Phillips and Cooper all got long-term injuries in the same match. And that's the experienced spine of the team. Three brilliant players. Up until then, I've been able to kind of say, I'm fine along with the the squad and the way it's going and hoping that things will, will get better. January exists and there is a transfer window there to improve. And even if you don't like signing players, because clubs are always like, no, 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 we don't like signing players. We want to do our business in summer. You know, circumstances really changed around that Brentford game. Hold your nose, bring some players in. It was early December as well, wasn't it? So, I mean, talk about a, an absolutely glaring warning as well. Yeah. So, so I think yeah, that's you've got a month to prepare and yeah. you saw when we now know it was only Marsh was talking about it. It was like how seriously Calvin Phillips was injured, how long he ended up being out, how long Liam Cooper ended up being out from that game. But they must have had the diagnosis by January. And then I just get this feeling that too much of their mind by that point was all about what they're going to do next season. With this, it's not faith in Bielsa by that point. It's an assumption that he'll just keep us up and it'll be fine and we'll, you know, we can give him players that will help us in the future because he's not actually going to put us in any danger. And then it does get to the end of February and you are thinking, he has stopped turning water into wine. What the fuck are we going to do? And then it does turn out that what they're going to do is sack him, accelerate the coaching transition, in Kinnear's phrase, do the stuff that they were going to do for next season that they'd already planned and then moan behind the scenes and off the records where everybody's saying, well, well, he never wanted uh, he never wanted any players, and he was he's so hard to work with. Even in um, Kinnear's program notes for that game, Kinnear says uh, there were frequent reminders of the idiosyncrasies that may have made his tenure at other clubs so short. There's this like inbuilt kind of atmosphere around the board, particularly this season, of just being like, you wouldn't believe what we have to put up with Bielsa. And honestly, like that kind of phrase, you know, if that's how they talk about somebody who did them a, a absolute huge post-Heckingbottom fa- favour. Um, I'd hate to hear them talk about somebody who actually did them wrong yeah. um, at some point. Do you know, yeah. I've just discovered an amazing coincidence. We're talking about the significance of that Brentford game and those injuries. That was the day that Jesse Marsh got sacked from Red Bull Leipzig. Yeah. Exactly the same day. So maybe that you wonder if that's, is that the point at which the plan then think, oh, the guy who we wanted has now become available. So we now start looking to the summer. And yeah. he, uh, he went to Leipzig last summer but it was on a two year contract so not a particularly long term deal and the Bund- the German Bundesliga as it's kind of it's not unusual for a coach to do one year and then move on and it's not it sounds conspiratorial it's not but it feels like the message there was well Jesse Marsh can he'll get some champion, more Champions League Bundesliga experience at Leipzig for a year and then the move to the Premier League with that in his pocket will be great I don't know why him failing at Leipzig and um, leaving so quickly didn't make them think oh, well is he actually cheaper, the right guy cheaper now yeah. just, just from the other side of this though you also have to accept that I'm sure that Bielsa's insistence on a one year contract creates a problem as well because you're constantly having to do the future planning I mean any sensible football club would be future planning at all times you'd hope that they are now for you know several years down the line you know who are the prospective coaches that can come in if Marsh doesn't work out you need to be thinking, don't you, ahead of time. So Bielsa's one-year contract obviously always causes a problem with that too, doesn't it? But equally, it's you can see it as a positive though because you never got the impression with Bielsa that he was just 
he wasn't. He was never Hodgson in it, was he? He never was like, well, no. contracts up at the end yeah. of this year. What the fuck do I care? You never got that impression with him. You got the feeling he worked as hard on the last day of that contract, and indeed beyond it when he not even signed his next one, but it was still sort of there. He worked as hard on the last day as the first day, and was happy to do that as long as everything was in place mm, for him. Yeah, he treated was, it as a work plan. Yeah, but you, like all, you get yeah, you together also, every summer and say, right, what are we building this summer? What pitches need to be mm-hmm. done at the training ground? I don't. It's not like he's negotiating a pay rise every year. It's right. We've got to the end of this season. What do we do next season? Yeah, but 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 the point here is that at some point he was always going to go. Nah, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not doing it again next season. And and he wouldn't find out until the end, the very end of the season. So if you've then not done your your future planning and your succession, whether that's choosing to replace him or he chooses to walk away, you've then been negligent and you'd be you'd be accused of being mm. negligent if you haven't put plans in place for when that happens because it could have happened this summer we don't know he might have stayed he might have gone but also well he was going because the board would no no I'm saying his in his choice might have been if they'd left it to him said you want to stay for another year Marcelo he might have gone no but then last season if the board had already decided that he was going at the end of this season did they tell him that I don't know but we're getting into double levels of speculation there because you're speculating that you know they wanted really you're speculating that Bielsa might just walk away once a month no, and he would but, do it in summer and instead he got sacked in February I know, so I know that's that. the value of a contract no I know I know. You anyway, know like, we know that contracts are basically worthless and I think there's probably more value in a contract from a coach that says, I am going to do these things for the next 12 months and there is absolutely no prospect of me looking for another job or taking my eye off the, the work that I'm doing. We will do these things together for the next 12 months and then we will sit down and we will review the next 12 months' work. Is probably worth more than giving, we talked about Sean Deitch getting a four-year contract and three months into that, he gets sacked and the board didn't even let Bielsa work to the end of that one-year contract. And then they get halfway through it and they're offering him players for his predecessor, uh, his successor. So what that contract is actually worth from in, in either direction, I don't think it's something that necessarily held the club back. And it didn't hold the club back because... It stayed up. Well, they stayed up and also it did not prevent Victor Orta spending two years getting to know Jesse Marsh and deciding he is the perfect person to evolve from Marcelo Bielsa and to when he loses his job at the start of December, I think the the conversation must have been like, don't take another job because you can have leads next summer if it not if that had not already happened sooner. Nothing about Bielsa only having a one year contract stopped them from doing that. In some ways it makes them easier because they know when the break point is. Like we we know that summer comes and we Bielsa, we will sit down with him and we can actually say we've decided we're going to have a different coach next year. And he'll say, fair enough. Well, my, the contract's ended, so we, we shake hands and walk yeah, away. As is your right, etc. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, there's nothing, I think the point is it's, there's nothing necessarily wrong in, in doing that. And I think I just think the execution's been bad this yeah. season. It's the um, application of it's thinking too far ahead instead of the problems in January were, and we said it then when we talked about the difference between expected goals, we needed a goal scorer. And you saw what solved the defence in the end is however much uh, Jesse Marsh tying things up. Liam Cooper coming back was a big part of us suddenly defending better. Suddenly corners are being cleared. Corners have got, uh, crosses have got a defensive header on them. And it's um, it's not realising that we couldn't cope without three huge players who, you know, it's and it's luck in some respects because if it had been, if those three players had been Sam Greenwood, Lewis Bate and um, Leo Helder had all got injured at the same time in the same game or something, not a problem because they're not, you know, pivotal first, players, team, yeah, yeah. pivotal first team players. But you're talking Pat Bamford and Calvin Phillips, both England internationals. I know Pat Bamford's only had one game and he won't great. But our top scorer and 
was second for assists last season involved like the most important part of our attacking play and January and if, if it came down to it in January that Bielsa was the big block between they had you know three players lined up who if they bought them or got them in on loan would have solved all the problems sack him then yeah because that's actually a very very good reason to sack a head coach who is preventing you from taking action that would get you out of relegation trouble and protect the... Uh, That's a hell of a sell though, isn't it, Moscow? I mean, like, to, if they'd have sacked him, you know, before... I mean, we, went, we saw that the wheels kind of came off with all the goals that we were conceding and heads started to drop and stuff. But that is, I mean, imagine the scale... It was a big enough call in February is what I'm saying. Imagine trying to justify it in January. But at least in January, it would have come with other actions. And because the, the struggle that Jesse Marsh has had is working with Bielsa's squad. And and it's, that's why it turned into, you described before, red or black, it turned into a coin flip. If you do it in January, you've got the justification because the coach won't allow you to sign players. And you say, who is in charge here? Well, it's It would it's have played board. horribly though, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, And then, and we're, we're saying it with the aid of hindsight as well. But if it, if it had come along with those players coming in, but then, I mean, they're playing hindsight because they keep whispering in everybody's ears saying, well, we were going to sign these players, but he wouldn't let us. He didn't want any of mm. them. And I think that's... That's what I mean. You can't have it both ways. You can't take no action, but then moan about it later because it is there. It's it's the club sources hindsight. Saying, and that's and that's if where we, we had signed those players, you know, we would have been absolutely fine. And it's on that point that they need to set responsibility for getting the judgment calls wrong at the wrong times, even if they've been unpopular. A bit stronger leadership yeah, would take some unpopular yeah. decisions because it turned it into an unpopular decision. Well, it was it was unpopular enough at the time. Yeah, I it would have been even more unpopular in January. But, but I think it would have been easier to swallow if it had if Jesse Marsh had come in with three new players. Yeah. Because you can see then, oh, it's, right. It's physical evidence. Yeah. yeah. And I, they can say, they can say quite justifiably then, we had to do it because Bielsa wouldn't take these players. Yeah. And um, I think they didn't help themselves in some capacity with, for example, Roger Zani's tweet about Adam Forshaw when the midfield issue has been there for fucking years. There have been, I think the off-field stuff has, there have been some missteps along the way as well with things like, socios and they just even like the NFTs the other week it's felt like everything has just been a bit like just not now I haven't enjoyed stuff. it but even going back to the kits this season I didn't like the kits and I, and I know it's such a petty bloody crap middle-aged thing been, so I, don't, been, I don't buy them but I want to be good in them though it made a difference yeah but I want to be proud of the kits we have and I looked at the ones we've had this season I just go oh meh they're just so meh the lie look look quite nice when we beat Brentford this, yeah that's correct and it will probably be remembered for that now ultimately in the, in the end but the, the Leicester Chelsea kit yeah, it didn't really work. Not a bad football shirt, but not great for us. And it just it felt like felt like the kits they were like just pissing around with the identity a little bit. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's because of a person of my age who doesn't buy the kits, but I feel a strong emotional attachment to them. Particularly growing up, seeing like the Umbro kits and things like that that always seem to get it right on the money. And I know I'm doing that with you know with like misty eyes about the the past and my childhood and all the rest of it. But why did we have to have luminous yellow on our shirts? It looks shit. It just didn't need to happen. There is something there as well about the building of the club of this, and I don't know whether it's um, whether after this two-year period it all kicks into life. But we've said quite a lot that the difference between Leeds commercial department and Arsenal's is the difference between half a dozen people and two hundred. But we never really hear much about how that gap is going to be bridged. When are we going to have a commercial department of two hundred people? Well, this is the thing about the forty-nineers, isn't it? I think that's that is the other elephant in the room, where the ownership is at the minute as a split. 56-44. It's close to a takeover, but it's not. You've got a majority owner, but it doesn't feel like he's staying here for the long term. It starts to just create uncertainty, doesn't it? And the selling point of the 49ers appears to be infrastructure. 
be it physical in the form of the stadium or behind the scenes, modernising things. We've seen, you know, updates to the ticket system. I know we can only do one thing at a time, but it is about manpower. It's bodies, it's feet on the ground, isn't it? That will enable you to start accelerating. And I do wonder what sort of changes we might see this summer. Now we know we've got Premier League status. Do they expand certain departments? Do they bring in, you know, new heads of departments? Do they bring in new directors? Who knows, Mm. you know? It's interesting with the... um the rail seating in the back of the cop that they said at the start of the season we will have that in a couple of games and it ended up coming in a couple of games from the end and you do wonder like the behind the scenes still quite Champo vibe that Champo, I like how you've adopted Champo by Leeds the way it still has is that maybe they just aren't the numbers back there to make those things happen quickly same with the ticketing platform maybe that was always going to come in for the end of the season with the, the, the handover but all these things seem to take quite a long time to get anywhere and it's kind of there's only so long that you can keep saying well we've still got the the championship infrastructure and it's one of the things when the 49ers came on board is that they weren't supposed to need a full takeover to be able to give this experience of how to improve the back office but there doesn't really seem to be much evidence of the the back office yeah but they don't they don't have have control of it though do they that's what i was getting at in terms of the, the split of shares is that you can be as full of ideas as you want but ultimately it's down to radrazani it's his party mm-hmm. isn't it so you can't really come in and say, right, well, let's do this, this, this. These are the projects we must immediately do because we're in control. Yeah. They're, they can, they're almost shouting from the sidelines, aren't if, they? If there were more of them, then that forward planning that we were just talking about becomes easier because you can have some people working on next season with Jesse Marsh. You can have some people looking at January and say, well, we need to do this, 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 and kind of split some of that instead of this kind of distracted, um, looking too far ahead business. But um, yeah, I don't know, maybe the 49ers are, speculation it's saying there, these are the things you need to do to build up your office and the people at Leeds on the board are saying no 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 but um, you'd hope they're working better to, than uh, than that it's just that that side is also quite it needs some well it needs to move faster mm-hmm. it's a Premier League club now it's a Premier League club for two seasons and it's hopefully staying there for 10 seasons minimum um, forever well actually forever. Jesse, Jesse Marshall <laughs> will be winning the Champions League in 10 seasons with a full squad of academy players so if they're going to do that, then they just can start some work on it, I don't look, they? I look forward to that. I look forward to that. But it is, this is one thing that we can say now, is that we can all exhale from that dreadful run-in, which was just, it's been a, an awful season. Let's hope they don't repeat it. Retrozani signed off his statement by saying the hard work for next season is already underway. That's good to know. And Brendan Aronson is the start of that hard yeah. work, I guess, because part, part of the having a good transfer window is doing it early as well, so you don't get to two weeks before the season starts and they're still trying to bring in that central midfielder that we need or that striker that we need if we could if we can within the next month go well there's a, there's a couple of midfielders there's a striker here's a fullback that's more or less what we're going with next year and going back to the fair that would, that would start to generate a lot of goodwill back to them I think yeah, if, they, was, if they can all of a sudden have a proper plan for it going back to last summer when we spoke to Angus Kinnear in here it was just ahead of the start of the season it was a few days before the season started and there were still three weeks left of the window. And I guess at that point, we were still hoping, well, hopefully they'll bring in a midfielder. Are they mm. going to bring in a midfielder? We hadn't signed Dan James at that point. So he didn't know we were going to blow that money on on him. <laughs> blow that money. Um, yeah. No, I, think, I think Dan James would be a perfectly serviceable addition to a Premier League squad, but not one that threadbare that desperately needed a midfielder. I think that's the mm. problem. Is that I, it'd have been a you know, good I mean, signing for us. That probably was Bielsa's fault. Yeah. Because he did love Dan James. But it, how, that seems to have become received wisdom, but it was... Victor Autry was sobbing and crying his eyes out and breaking his phone the night that he didn't sign. I get the sense we nearly got him for like ten pence that night, and then we had to pay twenty five million quid. I also get the sense they wouldn't take a right lot to get Victor Autry smashing his phone and crying about anything. I suppose it it probably works because it's a player that they agree on, so that's why it gets done so quickly. And but also, he's a player that Jesse Marsh seems to agree on, and he fits. 
he fits the marsh world. I think we'll see a lot more of Jesse of Jesse James, Dan James next <laughs> season because he fits the way that the Red Bull teams attack. He's a good player for that. Yeah. Um, but he, I wouldn't be surprised if um, if you talk about two tens behind a striker next season or two strikers, then it's um, James and Aronson because mm. they both do that kind of attacking thing. That's really quick. And, and James plays through the middle for Wales already. So he has that kind of adaptability. I think James is a alternative to a central midfielder that we needed was a bad signing. I don't I still don't think he's a bad signing in and of himself. And I always got the mm-hmm. impression that him becoming available, they went and found extra money. Yes. And still had the money for a midfielder if they could find one that they were going to do one. So but I guess the budget's completely changed now that we're in there. Um, but that's why I was surprised that we didn't get one in January. Well all that's in the past now. We can all be friends again, can't we? Well, it's new friends now. So it's Brendan Aronson is going to be our new mate for $30 million, which is about, it's just under £24 million. And then Calvin Ramsey and you right back to piss off Cody Drummer even more. Um, <laughs> if you didn't get the message last time, Cody. <laughs> he's uh, the Scottish Football Writers Association Young Player of the Year. So that's, um, I, I assume Phil Hay votes for that. Yeah, it's still unclear as to whether he might end up here or Liverpool. Uh, it's not Don't, I mean, why would you go out Liverpool? <laughs> what the heck? Those chumps. No ambition. <laughs> and then a Premier League striker, according to Phil Hay. Hello, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> would you take Enketia? Because I'm kind of of the... A lot of people are going, we need to do better than that. I'd just like to see us have a bunch of competent Premier League footballers, a squad mm. big enough, full of competent Premier League footballers to get us into mid-table. I don't fully know what Marsh's system would look like with him in it. I know when, when he was here last time, he looked like a really good finisher, but then didn't necessarily fit the system particularly well but because we can play with a two and it's a bit more flexible maybe there's a place for him yeah there's we um, made him look good the other week <laughs> there's uh yeah it would be interesting i suppose if if you rely on bamford to do most of the pressing one of the things i was listening to jesse talking about was how and i think um it's something he shares with bielsa actually is that your most important defender is your best player because they're the player who normally has the ball and then they're the player who is most likely to get tackled and lose the ball, and they're the player who needs to then win it back very quickly. Um, and I think, you know, uh, if you're talking about two strikers, it's, it, that's kind of Pat Bamford's job, is if you lose the ball, you're winning it back, and you have to show the willing, this is part of Marsh's thing, is you have to show the willing that you're you're going to put all the work in to win that ball back, because then the players behind you, they will come and back you up. So that's part of it. It has to be a striker who will tackle and we know Bamford can do that because he was doing it for Bielsa that kind of frees up the other striker to be what any Nketiah was and what frustrated Bielsa when he turned up Bielsa always said he knows how to run into the box and score Arsenal have taught him that and they've taught him that beautifully what Arsenal have never taught him to do is how to play build up and make those runs and so I have to try and get him to do that before I can put him into my team Um, I don't think Jesse Marsh will need him to do that as much he'll just need if Pat Bamford wins the ball back Dan James rushes onto it sprints into the penalty area pings it to Wenketia and he just shoots in the net so he couldn't fit sounds glorious Moscow let's do that it sounds good (laughs) yeah and there we go there we go done with part one of the weekly show went a bit longer than I expected there but we I think we needed to debrief what's going on didn't we going on about Bielsa again well but he's so inextricably tied into what's happened this season yeah, and it, and it was in, it was also it was during discussion of the board and their main decision this year was that was to sack the man who who took him up. So yeah, I mean it's it's fair game, isn't it? And Less of Bielsa next year, more probably. Don 
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Heroes and Villains, and uh, we will do the Ken Bates Villain of the Week Award first. Ken Bates, our former owner and chairman who made us all very sad for quite a long time. Not all of us. We were sad though, weren't we? Very much so. We we named this award in his honour. We throw open nominations for this you know who he made happy mean people they yeah. really liked him we throw open the nominations for this to our TSB plus members we'll add our own thoughtful contributions to this as well who did we get in then on the feedback form michael a rare case of several people saying nobody no this season the there's normally been at least a handful of people that you you really dislike in a week but i, I mean, suppose it's been chuck let's start with chuck late biscuits comment which i love his, i love that name no, just fucking get in. This is all capitals, by the way. No, just fucking get in. We are Premier League. Yes, indeed. No here, no villains today. Cooper got close to being named, but nah, <laughs> I still believe. <laughs> what did Cooper do? There was a bit of a mix-up at some point, oh, wasn't there? I suppose so. There was a bit of a Cooperism, but he's been, uh, yeah, he's been very good since he came back. Mm. So, no villains there. Not everyone agreed. The board, I mean, we've, we've kind of just... We just did it in part one. We've just we? kind of gone over some of, some of this stuff. Um, Let's do yeah. it again. Grumpy get Kev. Rad's Angus Victor, they made some terrible decisions this season that nearly cost us. Um, some, Rad's gets a nomination for preemptively tattling on Everton in case we got relegated. <laughs> Which, <laughs> looking at the figures, I think we should still probably try and... It's annoying, really, that you have to do this to make the leagues enforce their own rules. That is the problem with it. Because yeah. if they get away with this, they'll, they'll just do it again. The Premier League just can't really be asked to deal with it. So they just go, oh, it's just, uh, yeah. How many, what's the COVID losses? Is that kind of in line with everyone else's? Not really. Fine. Whatever. You've sold the rights to a stadium name that you've not built sold yet. The, they've sold the rights to the rights, haven't they? Or something? Yeah. Some mad shit. And the tattling as well, I think Leeds uh, were on the wrong end of that too, because they send the letter in with Burnley and say, dear Premier League, will you have a look at this? 
And then that gets leaked to the press, the fact that somebody, it wasn't Leeds who put on their website and said, we are going to take Everton, hold them to task. They write a letter to the Premier League as they probably shouldn't say, fucking look at the state of this. And then and can, you, can the, you ensure that they don't destroy their records as well, delete their records? Yes. Yeah, because, And then somebody at the Premier League is saying, oh, you'll never guess what Leeds have done. Yeah, so, it was framed differently, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and it happened sooner than the report of the letter writing was leaked. It had happened a good couple of weeks back prior to that. Yeah. Saying, look, this is, I mean, it's obviously based around relegation, but why not? I mean, someone is cheating to ensure that you you, you lose out on £100 million worth of revenue. You are going to raise questions about it, aren't mm, you? Yeah. Not that we had that money to spend, but we might have done. You can't not Maybe. hold people to account by the rules because it might look tin pot. Mm. Who cares? It's business, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And we are a business organisation. And we're great at the business. <laughs> <laughs> but there were some complaints about Radrazani and Orta celebrating on the pitch, uh, feeling like after the season that we had, they had no right to. I don't mind so much about that. Methley Chris says, get off the pitch, you hairy scroat. <laughs> and don't sign any more La Liga rejects. That's not talking about um, Rafinha, we should say. Yeah, no, no, no. no. Yeah, I mean, the stuff on the pitch... <sighs> I think the less helpful thing was Orta shouting in the face of a fan about no Premier League for 17 years without me. That's That feels a bit unseemly. Don't do that. Yeah. I mean, but but equally, I get it as well. Yeah. yeah I, suppose I'm, I, I don't know if I'm angry enough about this season to sort of run after Victor Orta and shout about Junior Furball in the street. It's quite a strange interaction. Anyway. People was, people care though. That's it. It's, it's mm. so much of your identity is wrapped up in this bloody nonsense of a football game that when it feels like the actions of certain people are jeopardising it, People get wound up, don't they? And they start to vocalise it, whether it's right or wrong. And it's the only way you can really do it with the board as well, because they essentially have to sack themselves or be told they're doing a bad job if you think they're doing a bad job. Yeah, true. It's, whereas a player, a manager can go, okay, he's not a very good right back anymore. I'm going to take him out of the team. A board can just stay there making shit decisions forever, as mm. we as we had forever with Ken Bates when he was mm. in charge. Like you just, and there's, no, there's absolutely nothing you could do about it. You just had to... Suck it up. You just had to either... Call and, him, and he reveled in pointing this out. You as had well. to call him nasty names or just accept it. Yeah. And I suppose it's it's remembering that bar for um, when I did used to shout at people in the street that it was Ken Bates and all the absolutely terrible things that he did as a person. <laughs> Whereas it's just like Junior Furpo's not Price very good. Players. Yeah, I got that. Uh, <laughs> it, it feels like a minor crime, but I suppose in the moment, I think my take on it is it just didn't seem like a moment for considered discussion from either side. It was just everybody's going to start shouting at each other, so they did, and then we move on. <laughs> I feel, yeah, I feel like I feel like Victor's part as well. Just leave it, Victor. Yeah, really. I mean, he's, he's there with his wife and stuff, obviously as well on the footage. Just like, just walk away. <laughs> you get the feeling she's probably thinking, "Oh God, not this, not this again." It's probably been forty years of people trying to tell Victor to walk away. I mean, as well, the other thing I try and remember is that there's a human aspect to this as well. And as angry as you can get at these people, not with Ken Bates, by the way, that's different. Well, well he Bates, was horrible he, to people. I was, was going to say, he was deliberately doing a, a dickish job of things. These it people, wasn't only at Leeds. Ken Bates, his entire life, yeah. was terrible to people. I don't think for a second Victor Alta thought, Rodrigo will be shit, therefore yeah. I will buy him. It hasn't gone well. All the board, they want the same that we want. It's just people obviously disagree on the execution yeah. and then some of the foot-in-mouth stuff that, that's and it, happened. And it's fine to question it. If... He's bad at his job, yeah, essentially. If yeah. you if you look at the money spent and go, well, this is a terrible return on investment here, and that is your job, it falls squarely on him. It's fair enough, I it's think, the that same. people that people are able to say, well, you, why are you not very good at this? Yeah, it's the same structure as before. The players are either brilliant or useless. Manager doesn't always best team. He always picks the wrong players, and the board of directors are a bunch of idiots. They couldn't organise a paper bag. 
it's that's the way of that it. is football so, um yeah i do agree though that somebody should take as uh, should have booked monday off said uh, someone should take Raz's phone off him. He does. He does have a habit of just firing it off at the wrong time, doesn't he? Mm. Like I said screen time. Somebody employ screen time with him. <laughs> Maybe put a breathalyzer on it or something. When he gets when he gets to wine o'clock at like eleven o'clock, mm. don't message people. Yeah, Chilino's. I think Chilino's wine o'clock used to be about eleven in the morning, <laughs> didn't it? But, I think Ken's did. To be fair, yeah, because there, there were many many stories of him falling asleep on the, the sofas inside the offices. It, at it, Road. it wasn't always wine. No, with with Chilino, it's sometimes beer as well. Good save. Is this our barometer for um, for chair people? How early uh... in the day are they drunk? <laughs> yeah, okay, fine. It's not the the better than most of what we've had. I don't. They're, they're conscious past lunchtime. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, we've met Angus a few times, and he never seemed he never seemed more than tipsy to me. No, so particularly, in, particularly he, in the morning. I wonder if that's why he wasn't on the uh, the pitch at Brentford because he was just passed out drunk in the bogs. <laughs> Uh, Brentford speaking of Brentford Canos got a number of nominations but although Canos surely he's in both categories he's Canos essentially for the same thing for being a wanker (laughs) but it it helped in this case so I don't know I I, I would not put him in the villain category at all I know he did score which was temporarily annoying Philip calls him a uh, dick face bus stop in Hounslow downgrade on Aliaski's haircut twat seems fair Seems hmm. fair. And Point makes a very good point that Thomas Frank was furious with him, but really should be more furious with himself for even having Canos in his squad. Variation on a theme. Suck on that, you daft little weasel twat, says Big Dave. <laughs> All the mature responses at once. <laughs> uh, ir- little irritating bee shagging bastard, says Kisnorbo's knees. Although it did, it helped us, didn't it? And playing against nine men. I'm glad that was the outcome of the season. So let's not get too hasty on uh, dishing out the uh, the bats on Canos. Uh, who else we got? Doubters? Nah. Not me. No. Oh, I always had faith. Of course you did. Frank Lampard, ungracious of him to not get relegated and allowing Burnley to take the fall. Uh, I mean, factor him out of it. I'd rather have Everton in the Premier League. Yeah, they're a, they're they're a good a, club, aren't they? I mean, a, a, a good well, club that is obviously... Uh, they're, break, a good in, they're a good institution. That is breaking. One. But the financial doping and your manager, both twats. It's a Lampardless <laughs> Everton that we need, isn't it? Dave Giles yeah. in... Uh, so issue eight of the square ball on sale from our website, or if you subscribe, you just get it posted to you automatically. I mean, what a dream. Um, as written about, what, you know, what beautiful club Everton have always been, that they're just one of those teams that, you know, nice old stadium, admittedly, that they're, they're knocking down, but usually a good kit and, like, decent players, good game against them and um, all that. And then you just stick Frank Lampard in the middle of it and you just think, oh, just fucking close the place down. <laughs> they will sack <laughs> him soon enough. It'll be, yeah. be probably gone by Christmas. Yeah. Because as well, they're going to have a summer of... Well, actually, I saw today they're on about signing uh, James Tarkowski for 120 grand a week. What? Well done. They don't learn, do they? Nope. They don't Which learn. Which is the funny part. <laughs> so, I mean, they're, they're already right at the limit of financial fair play stuff, so I could have hoped to get him. It's the old... <laughs> Keep if spending. I, <laughs> if, I, if I take a loan out to pay off my credit card, I can use my credit card again. Mm. Alistair, very specific nomination, says, myself and my mate Ben for making three children cry celebrating Harrison's goal. <laughs> Alistair does go to pains to point out that these were his children and not just random kids. Although I have heard Alistair does like to make random children cry. Is Thomas Frank nominated? Uh, VAR gets a nomination um, for uh, being a fucking joke. Always says someone give Greenwood a razor. I mean, I I thought, I did think that goal was offside, I have to say. On on first viewing, I was like, yeah, he did look off. This is Thomas Frank's post-match comments that kind of went below the radar. The bit where he says, uh, well, do we have the audio? No. (laughs) <laughs> I think it was a bad football game <laughs> to be fair 
if you've seen our dressing room after the game, they're very disappointed and angry. It just shows how much the game meant to us that we wanted to win, which is funny. Um, but then, yeah, about Jackie's goal, he said, that's uh, why it's difficult and we're, we still get a deflection and it doesn't matter for whatever the relegation or opposition or anything. But I would like to know about the second goal, why it's not offside from VAR. I asked the refs about that, so it's not a big thing, just for me to understand it. So fair play to Leeds, congratulations to them. He said through gritted, horrible, bitter, whiny teeth. Um, well, there's a very simple explanation in that it got a deflection, didn't it? So it was the deflection of the defender um, defender's foot that took it in the direction of Rodrigo. So therefore, he couldn't be offside from that. And also, if you're talking about someone interfering with play, I don't think Rodrigo was changing the habit of 90 minutes in stoppage time, that he was uh, suddenly a factor. And more to the point, I hope actually I've got the ruling wrong there and that it should have been given offside and wasn't. Okay, well, because if you look, you can see from behind the goal, it doesn't... Even with the deflection, I don't think it blocks the goalkeeper's no, view of it he, at all. Rodrigo is just standing. Is there something that Casper Schweichel goes mad about because he's a entitled little baby? Now, steady on. If you're if you're a fan of Thomas Frank, he has got a few nominations, by the way. So you might want to. Yeah, so he's nominated for that, and then also Keith says I just don't like him. I think it's fair. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and then Morley Ryan, I uh, don't think he's done anything this time, but he just looks like a creepy mad scientist. He looks like he's been up all night completing sinister experiments. Peck sniffing lizard. Somebody else says. Someone did post a video on Twitter of him eating a pizza, and even that's disturbing. <laughs> it was knife and fork. He, no, it was. He was like he was holding it, but he was kind of he was aggressively biting at it, like it was alive. <laughs> A live pizza. <laughs> Caught in the wild. <laughs> eating it raw. Ah, oh, banter. Hey, banter. Hey. It's, it's just banter. That's what it's it's just, needs it, needs it, be, it needs to be factually accurate, though, do you remember? It does. It does. Anyway, um, Burnley. Not villains, are they? What, what's uh, Jelly nominating Burnley for? Is, is it fine to tar that entire town in the way um, that he is He's got in fairly heavy on Burnley. A tin, a tin pot town full of racists, sexists and homophobes who torture their fans with archaic football practices. Good of that great bunch of lads from Saudi Arabia to fight a good fight and help get them out of the league on our so behalf. He's done the old reverse joke there, exactly. hasn't he? Yeah. Um, but you know, the, the uh, uh, planes with banners behind them do not hire themselves, do they? Mm-hmm. You know? so, so we're going to blame everybody. No, not everybody, but just the, you know those people specifically who hired that plane can. Uh, well, they've got you know many more games and opportunities to uh, to fly their their proud message. Season, um, Sky get some nominations for uh, for their standard of coverage about Leeds staying up. They've had to cut away and so show some crap at the Etihad or whatever. Um, Rodrigo gets a couple of nominations as well. I think it's all self self evident why Liverpool fans nominated <laughs> as well for not for crying. Rodrigo for... was awful. He's yeah. It's... As we are staying upstairs, even in what should have been nothing but a brilliant memory, Rodrigo still put a, a terrible performance where nothing went right. Let's just ship him out. And also, um, Baz, Earl of Wakey, get him, criticised him as well. Just saying, looking at the replay of Harrison's goal and look at his reaction, there wasn't one. I'm not get worried him about it. Get him out in shouting letters. His react- I mean, watching him last week against Brighton, he was out on his feet with like 15 minutes to go. So I can imagine... he's not fit enough. So I can imagine <laughs> when that ball went in, he's like, I'm not running over there, but I'm really happy. Like, to the pants I go. I don't imagine. No, they need uh, to kick off again. Put, the, put your clothes back on. I don't imagine. It's not. It's not. It's not an unhappy that. man who strips off, is it? No. So he he enjoyed himself in his own way. But yeah, the the halftime. It was just before halftime when Michael mentioned Rodrigo hadn't touched the ball for a while. I was like, I completely forgot. like. He was like the Manchester City game in my mind as a thing that just wasn't part of my consciousness. And in a game like that. You know, there's obviously good things there and uh, both Bielsa and Marsh think he's an absolutely fantastic human being and 
Um, the, the the players have even said that in training, like he's really crucial and is fantastic part of what they Cone do. Work. But just it's never it's never there, is it? And that's two seasons, and it's it feels like there was that burst of form when Marsh came in, but it's just it's End drifted the away. Experiment Moscow. Yeah, let the, him go home. Let him be happy. Again. The more the pressure went up over the last couple of weeks, the less Rodrigo we saw. There was that good cross for him. Rafinha to miss one there. Yeah, Liverpool fans were mentioned by Mukau White. Um, I think that's a tribute to you, Moscow. They're crying because no they're not going to win the quadruple and uh, and making out as if this is the way they always do things, always failing, he puts in quote marks, or she. I have no idea what this is specifically referring to, but I love the idea that this is equated to them always failing. I wish we could fail as much as they do. They're only going to win the three, aren't they? <laughs> Poor lads. Um, Pontus as well as a final nomination here, nominated for his lack of own goal action. Yeah, I mean, he... He had a low-key game again, didn't he? Yeah. We always expect something from Pontus in these games. Did you see, he... did you see though his, gla- his glance over at the celebrations when the second goal went in? It was just a, a glance, I wish I could be there. I wish that was me. He did also, um, wasn't it his pass to David Rea mm. for um, our first goal? I don't so. think that's really Is that Pontus. an assist or a key pass? Is that, are we... it, was, it was better than nothing from him, wasn't it? But uh, not quite Beckford levels of turning it off against Leeds, but he's, he's probably played it about right. I wasn't quite sure when he was saying like I used to be there, Calvin Phillips. Oh, we do. Oh, I've just realised we've got a, one on the sheet here that I've missed. The cricket club man. Have you seen West Ham Ralph saying there's a lad at his cricket club who decided that uh, that it was fun to say that Burnley had equalised in the 90th minute? I bought it big time as I sunk to the floor. Others were trying to work out if he was having me on. Yes, they were. Don't mess with Ralph that way. <laughs> Nobody should be uh, messing Ralph around. Although TJ at Moscow, you're in the firing line here. You should never ever again. Despite being a good writer, says uh, TJ. Oh, he says brilliant writer. He says I'm not. I'm not prepared to give the you the exact compliment. quote from TJ. I love him, and he's a brilliant writer. He's an acceptable writer, but may he never utter the words "They will never win another game ever again." Yes, you said I, that about what was it about Burnley and Newcastle and Everton? I think that's yeah. probably fair. <laughs> you can say it about Norwich and Watford if they end up in the Premier League again, because mm. they don't generally. I just realised I, I was looking up um, before. Poor little old Sam Byram went off in the first half of Norwich's last game. His, his hip locked up. Ooh. Done, I'm sure he's had lots of hip injuries up to now. I hope he's not going to have another. Does so that mean he's rigid? Can he, not, can he not sit down? Another two years out for little Sam. He's getting too good at the piano, but I hope... Because uh, um, that was the only good thing about Norwich towards the end of the season is that Sam Byram was being converted into a left-sided centre-back <laughs> because Dean Smith is a football genius. But it was apparently going fine. He's fit again, playing games little Sam back to his uh, getting back to his best and now his hips locked up I hope he's alright right villain of the week for the final time during the active football season this season I think um, probably the most horrendous thing I've heard through all this is uh, the way Thomas Frank eats a pizza yeah it seems fair and whinging about I mean why even just for the love of but his lack of ability meant that we won but just for the love of football what happened at the end of that game and how beautiful it was, given that it doesn't matter. He even says it doesn't matter anything to Brentford. For a lack why, of humility. Why, no, why would you be sitting down there and going, I think that goal should have been chalked off, actually? Uh-huh. Why, why not, For a man we've never shown anything but respect to, why to say try, something like that. Why try to start a debate about VA? Can you imagine? Already, actually, there were two, two things I noticed. Uh, the press... Somebody tweeted, it wasn't one of the Leeds journalists, but they tweeted that Thomas Frank had been had signed a letter to the media. I don't know if it came from all the managers, thanking them for all their hard work. And they said, but the, a lot of the goodwill is uh, is slipping out of the room because it's half past seven and he still hasn't turned up for his post-match press conference. So we kept all the journalists waiting. 
on the last day of the season, on a beautiful, warm day in West London, when you really just want to file your story and go down the pub. And then he sits down and he's like, we really need to start talking about VAR. Oh, God, Thomas, it's summer. It's over. Let it go. No, he was offside for that last goal. It really, you know, there's an important point. It didn't matter to us. It doesn't matter. Like Leeds would have stayed up anyway. Nobody absolutely cares. <laughs> Michael is showing me the video of Thomas Frank eating a pizza and I don't like it. Have but it's the last thing you need to hear. Let's have a look. Something about his eyes. His eyes are, are concerning me. <laughs> there's a, there's an intensity there, isn't there? Yeah, it is, it is very intense. Mm. Thomas Frank for intense pizza eating. And for trying to start an argument, for keeping the the world's press waiting for two hours and then trying to start an argument about VAR uh, after the last game of the season. But he's he's had a good season. He's done all right, hasn't he, Thomas Frank? He's seen them to 13th place finish. So He's uh, probably quite a good manager. mm. Done well. (laughs) They've got quite a good... uh, It was interesting, They Brentford's website, straight after they have their squad moves all set up and like they're promoting players from their infamous B team. Who, uh, who've impressed last season and now part of the first team squad next year and it's all kind of like it's all quite a good setup, really isn't it That's does he get to go into the 18 with Hannibal right. and face and all that now <laughs> they get to modify the van <laughs> <laughs> so he's having it for his pizza eating fine that's fair enough and uh, and keeping people waiting absolutely no excuse and it's nothing to do it's, with the fact it's, it's bad manners isn't manners it? and respect it's rude yeah. and manners yeah, lack of manners the Gitano Berardi Hero of the Week Award nominations Berardi himself didn't play well, but he was he's dressing room important to have around the place, isn't he? And he has played since he went to uh, FC Sion, but they they were trying to stay up. They would have gone into a playoff if they finished second bottom, but with a three three draw against uh, Servette, they got up to seventh mm. in which, their final position, which sounds higher than it is. It's quite a small division. It's a ten. It's, seven a, ten, out of ten. it's a ten team. Uh, oh, seven out of ten. I was I didn't scroll that far down on the sheet, and yeah. I thought seventh. That sounds all right. And, oh no. Yeah, it was uh, the basically one team cut adrift at the bottom. Then the it's all Scotlandy, isn't it? Yeah, the ninth the ninth team fit plays the second team in the division below as like a playoff thing. And they um yeah, they were, until they were three one down on seventy eight minutes. But I'm it, just just looking at this. And so so Lausanne who finished tenth. I mean, they're only seven places off the European spots. That's <laughs> one way of looking at it. And uh, it's Luzerne who will have to play uh, in the place. They finished level on points, but with with a worse goal difference than Grasshoppers who we were playing in the uh, UEFA Cup not so many years ago. And then Zion, one point ahead of them. So well done, Berra. Um, acting as a counterpoint to nobody being nominated for the Villain of the Week Award, everyone is nominated for Hero of the Week Award. Or as Jane puts it, fucking everyone. Philip, Trafinha, Harrison, Gelhat, Furpo, for fuck's sake, and the whole gorgeous town of Newcastle. Everyone is a hero. Sam from a town full of dingles picks out particularly the 11 on the pitch. Solid performance. 4-1-4-1 worked well. Getting into the... Uh, I mean, we need, to, we need to go straight into Rafa as part of everyone. Rafinha. Maybe the last we see of him? Yeah, I think so. Probably, yeah. But we couldn't really ask much more from him in the end. There are rumours gurgling around on Twitter today that there's a transfer request gone in. I just don't see that myself. I think there'd be a, there'll be a willing agreement to sell him probably. Yeah, it's because there's probably no need for it, is there? No. That's the thing. And you lose... Uh, you normally lose bonuses and stuff, don't you, as well, if you're handing a transfer request. Better to just get your agent to shit out, is it? That's I think what that, agents normally do. You'd hope it would just be quite amicably normal. Like, I want to go to Barcelona and they're going to give you loads of money. Is that all right? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. He'll come back one day when he's like 31 or something. He's, he's had his fun, he's won his medals. Just come back and have a nice time in Leeds. And what he's uh, the way he's left us, I mean, there have been times during the season 
where you look at him and you think, is he already thinking Barcelona? And I wouldn't be surprised and I wouldn't hold it against him if there's been times when he has already been thinking, you know, I could just sack this off and go play to Barcelona. But he's absolutely made sure that he left us with something. That's what it said, yeah. Um, Alistair said, it's uh, it's got to be Rafa. If that's the last we see of him, he certainly gave his all and left us with some great images. And Gouldy, God bless Gouldy, who's just above there in the in the comments. Bit of wishful thinking, I suspect. Let's face it, he's staying. No amount of money could pull him away from the thrills of a turbulent <laughs> season like this. Deco might have other ideas, though. The thing know? is, we've talked before about the fact he does have, did have a relegation release clause. So him... That's his easy way out, isn't it? I was going to say, so, so us not staying up would have been a piece of piss, probably more on his wages because there'd have been no the small transfer fee involved to so go to Barcelona and go, I know it was going to be 250 grand, but you've only had to pay 25 mil now. So how about how about 300? Yeah, there's there's money there for him and the move was there for him anyway. I don't think that game will not have changed the opinion of anyone who was going to buy him. They will have just gone, yes, he's still good. And yeah. then, and as it was, he, he did everything for us in that game and he celebrated it properly as well. So I said at the end of... Um my report is that when it comes down to it, I think he is like a, he's a fans player. He's probably got more in common with, for example, Pontus Janssen than you would expect from somebody who's wandering off to Barcelona, somebody who really connects with the, I guess the language barrier and stuff makes it more difficult for somebody from Brazil to connect with the fans in a similar way to Pontus who has the kind of the, spoke very good English and has the European fan kind of understanding, but realises that when you play for a team, even if it's for two seasons and then you're moving on and you're getting your personal dream transfer, you do something for that club. It's the same as um, Andy Hughes. So I'm now comparing, comparing Rafinha to Andrew Hughes. Former owner of this awards name. Are you suggesting we're getting rid of Rafinha because he's not he's not cut out for the level that we're going to? But that's what he said. When he said uh, he, he did his... Um, his sort of interview to say he, why he decided to leave a few months into the championship when he's saying like he's you know he can't help us out of the division he said he came to Leeds to get us promoted out of League One and he did it and he will always be able to say I did something for Leeds United and something that I went there to do same with Gordon Strachan who always kind of underrates winning the first division title because what he said he would do when he came to Leeds he agreed with him will get out of division two and with Rafinha same it, with Peter Sweeney. It, it may not be what Rafinha came here to do, but when it came down to it that what we needed to do was stay in the division, he made that his mission and made sure he left it behind. And my one regret when it comes to Rafinha is that never properly had his own song. It's quite hard to put the word Rafinha into a song, isn't it? I mean, my regret with him is that we didn't build on last season and give ourselves the chance of keeping him. Yeah. Because I feel like there's... I mean, you never know. Stranger things have happened, although not many. He may stay... Yeah, but you can't help but feel that that ship has sailed. You know that last season, finishing ninth, him being right at the centre of it, it felt like there was potential for us to grow. Maybe with him and Calvin at the centre of it somehow, and build a like good players around them. And as it is, this has just, been a very sobering it, season. It's just really, we've yeah. really regressed this season. And Rafinha, I don't think he's been quite as good as last season, but the stats will show that but he's then, still then nobody uh, has no. And he, the stats will show he's by far and away our most important player so and at the, at the risk of going back to what we were talking about on the other show about the kind of the looking too far forward to Jesse Marsh and the two year plan it now looks in retrospect like and this is if if buts and maybes but if halfway through the two year survival plan having finished ninth they'd torn that up and said you know what the money that we're going to give to Jesse Marsh or manager X in 2022 
let's spend it now and see what kind of team Bielsa can build with that kind of budget. The way that the team is performing now adds to Rafinha. Don't change the style to something different. It's kind of like, it felt like concentrating on that longer term plan instead of seeing what happened and thinking, fuck, we could just get into Europe now. Problem there, I think, is funds, isn't it? It's just you, we could not mm. afford it. I think Rajazani Everton can. Well, <laughs> well, can they? That's well, it. There's a difference kinda... between Rajazani's wealth and that of the people who are behind Everton, and I think that's what it ultimately boils down to. And, and you can't get annoyed at somebody for not having enough money, can you? Even though people sort of have done and manifested itself in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, Canos, as we mentioned, has been nominated numerous times for being a hero. And words like Tom's throwing around pretentious. Um, You've missed off Nobed. Nobed, a douchebag on an interstellar level, says Wisconsin Todd. Uh, an enjoyably American insult is douchebag, isn't it? Mm-hmm. What else have we got? For taking off his shirt like he just got a cup final goal and then immediately hacking Rafa down um, and then for laughing about it on social media to piss off their fans even more. It did kind of ruin their day when you looked at a lot of the stuff. They were like, ah. Oh. I know they've had a great season, but I think it was the little cherry on top that they wanted to send us down and they've been looking at it all week and thinking, oh, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And then it, it came around it's a bit like, oh. If you can't win a cup, which they never have, then I guess your next best thing would be to like send uh, Leeds United down. Send a big club down. Uh, we missed, I mean, you stopped with Wisconsin Todd after douchebag. He continued on such an interstellar level that he went through a sort of 2001 Space Odyssey Stargate-style dickhead's wormhole and his pantomime villainy actually worked in our favour, which probably sums up where he is. I hate him. I hate Sergei Carson. have done ever since the moment he headbutted the back of Gianni Alioski. And got away with it. And I checked the the record, and that's the game where Pontus Janssen got a one match ban for saying that um, he felt shit and that the referee had done a robbery. And then they looked at Sergei Canos um, doing a sneak attack, sucker headbutting somebody from behind. I went, that's fine. So I've always hated him since then. Well, you, I can't really make him Moscow. a hero now. No, but. Moscow. Lee and Cheese, you're going to be disappointed with what he's got to say. He says, Canos always liked him. Stand up, fella. Credit to Brentford. <laughs> It's very polite of Lee. Well, we're on people who helped us out by being idiots. Nathan Collins gets a few nominations for um, <laughs> that insane handball in the Burnley game is what TJ refers to it as. I assume we've all seen it by now. Yeah, yeah. I kind of understand what he's done, even though it's completely inexplicable, in that he's just his body's reacted to where the ball's going and he's kind of lunged his entire body over. But obviously you lead with your arms for balance, don't you? It looks more like he's actually deliberately punched it. Like he's realised it's going to go to a Newcastle player mm-hmm. and he's gone, oh, no. Can't have that. There's kind of and a, he's forgotten VAR exists. As soon as he makes contact, it's like he pulls his fist away. Mm. So it's like, ah, what am I doing? That's it. His body started lunging towards it. And then by the time he'd realised what he was doing, it had already happened, kind of thing. Ah, good fun. Yeah, it was amazing. Well I done. I love him. Well he's great. great. Let's sign him. Great physical comedy. 21. Have some resale value in the future. We've got nominations for fans, our fans who have had to endure this season. Absolutely. And I think the fans sounded fucking amazing down at Brentford by the way listening to it on the radio the volume that was coming out of such a piddly away allocation I thought was uh, was absolutely and, and all those in the home stand as well you've got to yeah. remember so we, must was... have had what, but we must actually got, must have had our 3,000 allocation <laughs> even though we only got 1,700 in the away end it's been one of the few real highlights of what has been a complete dog turd of a season hasn't it the atmosphere at home has by and large been excellent mm-hmm. despite some shite kickoff times as well thanks to Skyler you can't get excited about Sunday 2 o'clock can you the away atmosphere has always been really good through League One, it was brilliant. Through bad years in the Championship, it was brilliant. Ellen Road was actually the bit where it was it was kind of let down because it was often half empty and mm. it's not got the same sort of drunken day out vibe to it. I mean, it has for some people. 
if you're if you're lucky enough to uh, <laughs> to be able to do that with your Saturday, it is good fun still. But yeah. it, it it sometimes just lack that Ellen Road. Whereas this year it's been um, yeah, it's been it's been good and it's been great to be back as well. And it's nice that our first season back didn't end in relegation after not seeing a couple of brilliant moments of uh, you know getting up and then staying up and looking really good last year. It has been. Um, I wonder if it is kind of a uh, like a pinball spring from COVID, but. Remember the promotion season didn't have as good an atmosphere at Ellen Road as this season because everybody was, it was like 16 years of nerves. Mm. So we just, um, Phil Hay always called it the Ellen Road, the hum. Like you just hear this kind of like, <laughs> whereas this year it's been, you know, the Man City game and the Chelsea game when they scored their last goals and Ellen Road celebrated more than the away fans just um, sums the place up this year. And I, which certainly wouldn't have been like if Swan, like when Swansea got a late goal against us, there was certainly nobody like going like, hey. <laughs> um, and it wasn't even, it wasn't like a flipping hooray, doesn't matter, we kick on. It was pure defiance of like, we're going to make proof a point of whatever the end result of this season is. We will celebrate these goals more than you plastic Premier League sellouts. So let's hope that whatever they do to Welland Road from this point onwards retains some of that madness. Um, you Although were, not the uh, the missile throwing all the kids on the pitch. Those you, things have to stop. You were right though, Moscow, says Shea Cunningham. I'm never right about anything. Pointing out that the statutory nine wins would be enough to keep us up. And, we are and, Brighton now. Yeah, and thank you to everybody who's um, said nice things about us in the comments. I, mean, I think we're too modest to read them out. But, one, of um, them, one of them is called, my name is, <clears throat> my voice cracked, <laughs> my name is Dan Moylan and I love cock. Which is correct. Mm-hmm. That's, that is my life. Yeah, thank you for for being with us this season. I know it's been a bit of a grind at times, but coming in here and doing this and you know managing to find laughter in really shit, crap moments where the football's not being great. It's been good fun. So thank you to you gentlemen as well. It's been Lu- good fun sometimes. Lucy Loves Cock uh, nominates us as well. So there's a bit of a... And she said, she says thanks for that in brackets as well with a, a very cheeky emoji there as there's well. There's a bit of a war going on between you and Lucy as to who loves cock more. Mm-hmm. Oh, we can both be fans of cock. It's absolutely fine. Yeah, there's plenty of it to go around, isn't there? Um, so thank you everybody um, Burnley Stoppers generic category but yeah like Tyrone Mings that, oh, we've always said good things to say about mm-hmm. Tyrone Mings yeah. haven't we but his late Tyrone block, Mings is effing great that's what we were singing yeah. wasn't it mm-hmm. but there they, uh, in the Burnley Villa game when it was played across the box and it looked like a tap in and then there he was and it didn't big, even uh, big spidery leg it didn't even matter for them that game did it not in the end but it felt big at the time no, for uh, Villa. Oh, for Villa. Oh, no. Like, there's absolutely true. no need for Tyrone Mings to do that. And so I, I do actually now. Let's spread I the don't... praise. Let's spread the praise. We've got the Saudi, um, great bunch of lads, the Saudis, for mm. their sports washing activities and uh, ensuring that they put together a good enough squad for the final day to beat Burnley. Um, yep. Newcastle. All the new, Callum Wilson with goals, obviously, he did he did well for us. They'll probably sell him next year, won't they? Buy some, buy like six other strikers for a billion pounds each. How long do you think Eddie Howe is uh, their manager? <laughs> They, they, can't, uh, they can't sack him yet, can they? Oh, he did bring Chris Wood on. I kept meaning to look this up. He came on for the last 20 minutes. That's a spiteful substitution, In isn't place it? of uh, Alan St. Maximon. He was followed a minute later by Aaron Lennon, obviously for Burnley. Scott's Oates, by the way, saying targets forehead. Beghorst short studs both picked out as uh, contributing to the outcome of the season. Mm. That was a strange one as well. I don't know if he was injured, but Beghorst uh, started on the bench for Burnley and came on at half-time for Connor Roberts, who was a defender. So that, did they start off really defensive and thinking um, who it was Ashley Barnes and 
I think they must have gone with Cornet through the middle. Yeah. It was great. Oh, wasn't it great seeing Ashley Barnes' sad face on Match of the Day? That was they, one of the highlights. They really screwed that game up. I'm glad we don't have to play again. Well, I suppose he might sign for someone. I hope I don't have to see Ashley Barnes on a football pitch again. He's a dreadful presence. He, he's not going to suit any modern, like, you think of the clubs that have come up. Fulham are not buying Ashley Barnes. No. I don't think, um, what's the other one? Uh, Bournemouth, they're, they're too nice. They won't mm. sign Ashley Barnes. I mean, you can imagine him at Huddersfield. Mm, not too far yeah. from Burnley. He's 32, so I think he should just retire. He'll <laughs> probably just nicely fall down the leagues now, which I mean, is the, fine. The elbow on, maybe that's why Tyrone Mings was so determined to block that shot, because Barnes' elbow on him in the first few minutes of that match was, just to, just don't fucking do that. <laughs> Tyrone Mings is a peace-loving man as well. Yeah. He's, never, he's never once assaulted anyone. A pacifist, just like mm. um, just like Mother Teresa and Gandhi. Uh Right, let's rattle through some of these. We've got uh, Tony Dorigo for his squealing. Uh, Riley and Rich in New Jersey enjoyed uh, the, what is it, the Dorigo orgasm it's been mm-hmm. rewritten when uh, when stuff has happened. And I enjoyed uh, the almost threatening picture of Tony Dorigo that was out on socials afterwards where he's kind of, it looks like he's pulling back to punch the camera. It's like, <laughs> it's like a bird's eye view of what it would be like to be punched by Tony Dorigo. Like, do, like, do you want to bring him back in here and test his face? Let's do it. Um, he'd even speaking really nicely as he was punching you wouldn't he what would he say <laughs> really sorry guys <laughs> just about to break your nose I'll, I'll try not to knock any teeth out um, I feel I feel like Jackie deserved more nominations he got one from, <laughs> from Keith for scoring a, we a, have our favourites don't we <laughs> Rafinha's basically I mean Rafinha's <laughs> probably winning this for taking a typical dog shit corner like cleared at the first front mm. post that Harrison turned into something. Did win and score a penalty. And um, let's wrap up the and other ones. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Keith, Keith does rightly point out scored our our first goal in the Premier League and then another one to keep us in it at the weekend. So yeah. he's, and he said he's always weird as Harrison. He's had quietly quite a decent season. Like he's got a no, decent number of goals. He's, uh, but he's unspectacular, isn't he? And he doesn't. That, and that's he, just all it has, is. he has games where he's, he looks bad, but then I think people sometimes forget about the good ones. Yeah. Oh, that's. Like, I mean, last season he got eight. I was confused then because I was looking at um, the stats and I was like, when did Stuart Dallas score eight goals? And now I know, last season. Uh, this season, top scorer Rafinha, 11, and then Harrison got um, so eight. Done well. he's done all well. since uh, the turn of the year as well. So he's another one he's kind of... What I like about Jackie is that he works hard to, yeah. to get his results, doesn't he? He really, really does work hard to the point of annoyance with his bloody fitness antics. Makes the rest of us look bad. <laughs> his good bits on um, Sunday weren't just the goal as well. It was when he was... He wasn't wasting time, but he was very cleverly retaining possession on the wing and dribbling and taking on like three players just because it gets us into a dangerous position and it takes ages. So we weren't conceding any goals while Jackie Harrison had the ball. I, I just realised really well. I still haven't seen Sunday's game. Just occurred to me. Just because I listened to it. Um, I've obviously seen the highlights and the important bits and match of the day and stuff. I've, I need to go back and watch the full 90. Um, I don't think it was very good, generally speaking. You and Thomas Frank. <laughs> yes. It was um, a bad game. Hey, listen, we're going long. Let's wrap the rest up. So, lilac kit. Joe says the sexy color lilac. And Leeds United's lilac kit always been a great color kit. We should move on from yellow and keep lilac forever. Add uh, add it to the badge. <laughs> yes. Don't give my ideas. <laughs> um, the Pontus conspiracy gets a hero nomination. Joe likes that. Um, notice that it was as we pointed out there. The key pass came from Pontus back to uh, to Raya. Dream Calvin. Yeah, this is KP. Um who nominates Calvin Phillips, which is all getting a bit confusing. Yeah. But because Calvin came to me in a dream on Saturday night, he put his arm around me and told me not to worry. Um, it might be okay and he might not leave. Thank you, Thank dream you. Calvin. I love you. Oh, it's like it's like one of those teen fantasy movies, isn't it? Or something <laughs> like that. 
Uh, Greenwood gets a nomination as well for the little uh, bit of shit housing in front of the Brentford fans when he was walking around the edge of the couple, pitch. Couple of, well. a, couple of a Jesse as well. Yep. And Johnny says that he, well, he says the Saudi war chest. Also, Jesse Marsh still kind of hate him, <laughs> but kept us up. This might be the only chance he gets to win it. That's really unfair. <laughs> Jesse also gets a, a nice nomination from Nathaniel as well. It says, based on his comments, he's clearly seen some of the online debate around him. So credit to him for shutting it out, instilling some character back to the side, keeping us up and making me excited for next season. Yeah. That's nice, isn't it? It is. He's it done is. what we needed him to do. It may not have been with style and panache, but in the end, points are all there. And I liked us in the Brighton game. I liked us even more in the Brentford game. So it's all right. Well done, Jesse. Get in there. We're getting there. And we'll see what happens next season, won't we? So the hero, is it Rafinha as he probably leaves us? Almost certainly. For the last time. We eh? made mugs for him, for God's sake. We sent them to him and he liked them and now he's going to leave. And he, I hope he doesn't chuck those mugs in the bin. I drank yeah. out of my Rafinha mug before the game. If yeah, I, I, did. Was a, I did. If I was a superstitious person, I would look at that as a, as a sign. I would also look at the fact I drink out of it all the time and we don't win very often. So never mind. He didn't just like the mugs he posed on Instagram pretending to drink out of one with the fanzine with him on the front and also the t-shirts that we'd done all arranged beautifully as if it was like a staged promotional photograph and we never asked him to do any of that we just said oh we're making some merch with you on it so here is some for you because well it's a bit weird that we're making pick stuff with your face on if you don't have any <laughs> and he did all of that um himself so he seems like a good fella, doesn't he? And you can see now why the uh, the Ron fans. <laughs> Ron. The Ron. I won't be able to say much longer unless we say Somebody from Ron uh, was so mad to see him leave because he just, he makes your team good, doesn't he? And he, and he, he is. I'll miss him. And he's not a distant, um, for a Premier League player, he feels a little bit, there's a connection with him that you don't get with mm. a. Um, some of the robots at this level, and so. given given he's now well, at least a sort of sixty to one hundred million pound footballer, doesn't even have someone manager's Instagram account, does he? By the looks of it, it seems very much like just his own work, which is I think is probably fairly rare for someone in that kind of a bracket because you yeah. can see that people like Calvin have obviously reached a point where someone's gone, we'll just do this for you. Don't change, Rafa. No, and thank don't you. Don't even move well. clubs. I was going to say, don't change, don't change club. Don't change your address. Refuse yeah. to leave. Uh, yeah, thanks to him, he's been amazing, hasn't he? Great to watch, and I wish we could have seen more of him. Um, we still might. We, well, we still might. But it, it, on a Tuesday night in the Champions League, as Moscow was saying, you can we'll be free to watch that. Now we're not going to be in the Championship. You need to watch Huddersfield on iFollow. Or <laughs> it's a very fun farewell because he's given us. He has given us his everything, and he cares a great deal, doesn't he? Um, probably. Do you think Barcelona before. will let him take corners? I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> Long throws. Well, there you go. Then is he is he our hero of the week? Then Rafa. Yeah, why not? And a sec- yeah. I think a secondary nomination uh, or a cap doffed just to lead United Football Club for for pulling it back round when it needed to happen. So well done, everyone. But don't ever do anything like that again. We really can't stress that enough. <laughs> I don't want to go to a last day again. I, I don't know. A last day battle for like the for sixth next year. That will be acceptable. I mean, finishing ninth last season didn't really take the edge off the end of the season, did it? It was still quite fun. Oh, West Brom. Mm. Maybe it was because 10,000 people could get in and so that was new, but it still felt like, oh, we can enjoy this match without there being anything on the line. So maybe we can experiment with that again next season of just getting to the last few weeks and it all just being fine. I agree completely. Let's wrap up the show there then. Thank you for your company. We're off doing our charity walk this week as well. So if you could Mm. chuck us a couple of quid, thesquareball.net forward slash Gary Speed for the links to the two charities, which is Andy's Man Club and the Samaritans. If you can't, can't afford it, can't spare the money, we understand. 
give it a retweet, pump it out there for your friends and spread the word. We've already raised an absolute load of money. We haven't even set off yet. We could just can it, couldn't we? We've done done the hard work now. <laughs> I think that's almost theft. Oh, right, okay. So let's do it. Let's do the work. Well, the charities would still get the money. Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. <laughs> we'll be shortchanging people. Watch this space. <laughs> no, yeah, we, we will. We'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll It'll do it. Good oh, fun. We'll you... do it or we will injure ourselves very badly trying to do it. And what we'll say is there's um, going to be like a, a Google Maps thing, isn't it? That what you're able to track your phone mm. um, and find out where you are at least anyway. I mean, Matt, Matt Letitia says they already can, they're already doing it, so yeah. I might as well make it a public link. Well, why not? Take care. Thank you for your company across this season. We will be back next, season, uh, next week. Sorry, we're not going anywhere. Um, and we'll speak to you then. See you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.